Welcome to Choir Talks. My name is Greg O'Neill. I'm the worship pastor at Ridgecrest Baptist Church in Madison, Mississippi. Choir Talks is my weekly podcast of what I would share normally in a choir rehearsal with my choir. So today we are going to be looking at uh, the first miracle, miracle of Jesus from John chapter 2. When the Bible records a miracle of Jesus, it's hard not to focus on what he did and uh, the amazing use of power. And sometimes it's cool just to to look around at the context and notice what the people involved did. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at the response of his mother, Mary, to his first miracle, which was turning water into wine. Uh, This text comes from John chapter 2. And just a side note on the book of John, read this gospel. It is so awesome. At the end of his gospel, he says this, he tells the reader, these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So here's your uh, pro tip on how to read John. Um, He's talking about coming to belief. So if you read the chapters of John and you can do a chapter a day easily, each chapter is sort of a its own self-contained story or incident. And in each chapter, you'll find Jesus doing or saying something, and you'll see that the people involved either choose to believe and find life, as he says, or they uh, fail to believe and are left in in their unbelief. Um, So use that knowledge, read the book of John, and see what the Lord will say to you. All right, here is the story of uh, Jesus turning water into wine from John chapter 2. On the third day, a wedding took place in Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. Dub. This is the first recorded incident of Jesus being invited to a wedding. How cool is that? Modern believers, this should always be our pattern, right? Everyone should have Jesus as the honored guest to their wedding. And uh, just like this story, the the couple who starts their wedding and their marriage with Jesus will see that that he provides for you. Anyway, back to the text. Verse 3, when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. All right, so... Looking at Mary here, um, she uh, enters into this situation that she finds there, and she says to Jesus, they have no more wine. So uh, sometimes I've read this text, and it just has seemed like a sort of a contentious thing between Jesus and his mom. But reading it with more fresh eyes, uh, I'm seeing that maybe she's not being um, demanding of Jesus like on my first blush read of this story. But she is doing something that we need to notice. She is just bringing a need to Jesus. She sees a need, and so she brings it to Jesus. I think there's something to be learned from that by this simple act. How quick am I, or maybe you, to see a need and then just worry about it? Or to see a need and just try to fix it ourselves? But Mary does something that that we ought to emulate here. She sees a need. And then she brings that need to Jesus. And by doing so, she shows faith. Jesus' reply here has, in the past, seemed to me contentious. Uh, He says, woman, why do you involve me? Which, in our modern ears, kind of sounds disrespectful. 
but uh, you know, on per- further reading and understanding in this time setting, uh, he, is, he is speaking to her in probably a typical way, in a probably a way that is respectful. Um, and you'll notice at the end of his life, when he's on the cross, when he's speaking tenderly uh, to his mother, uh, he also uses the same term, woman, uh, behold your son, uh, referring to John. And so uh, he, don't read this and see Jesus being disrespectful to his mother. Uh, and then he says to her, my hour has not yet come. And, uh, and then he turns around and does the miracle. So that's always confused me. It sounds like he's saying, no, I'm not going to do this, and then changes his mind because of the pressure of his mom. But having a little more understanding on reading this scripture uh, now after many times, I, I, I understand that that phrase, my hour, sticks out to me. As you read through the book of John, you will see uh, his hour as a, as a thing that John uses, uh, mentions, and quotes Jesus several times, talking about his hour not yet come, his hour not yet come. And then finally in the book, at the end of the book, you see he says, Jesus says, my hour has come. And so we see about Jesus that he is very concerned uh, about the doing things at the right moment. He has a, a heavenly uh, time schedule in mind and not just an earthly time schedule. I think there's something to be learned here. Um, that, that he sees his life playing out from heaven's point of view uh, rather than in his own time and what might seem uh, convenient for his own sake. Uh, Galatians 4.4 says a really cool way. It says, uh, God sent Jesus in the fullness of time. In other words, at the perfect moment in history, God acts and God sends Jesus. And Jesus also is looking to act in the perfect way, in the perfect time schedule. He's concerned about the correct time to things happen as he stays connected with his father. So uh, reading this now, uh, I think I understand it to mean that his hour of public ministry of working miracles uh, has yet to begin. It's going to begin in a few days in Jerusalem. Uh, But I think he is saying this to let her know that what he is about to do uh, is a, a private use of power. Uh, not one to be announcing that he is disciple, but one only to be known by those behind the scenes. And the text, uh, the rest of the text bears this out. It shows that only the servants and the disciple and Mary are the only people in the story that know about his use of power here. All right, here's the second thing Mary says in verse 5. His mother says to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now, I like the second thing that she says here also because you see her faith at work. Uh, she expects that Jesus will work. Uh, she's, she has made this, na- this need known to Jesus, and now in faith she expects that, that Jesus will act, that he will respond to the need that she has brought to him. Uh, in the text that we have here, she doesn't hear him say that he's going to remedy the situation, yet She's made known this need to him, and she expects. That's, that's faith. Um, she doesn't know how he's going to answer. She doesn't know exactly when he's going to answer or what it's going to look like. Uh, she doesn't dictate the this, this situation or circumstances. Notice she just says, do what he says. Um, so at the end of the story, um, the wedding is saved, uh, the miraculous wine that is brought out at the end 
uh, turns out to be the best of the day, and it surprises the host. It was Jesus, and then it ends with this phrase in verse 11. Here's how the story ends. What Jesus did in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. Uh, Notice that word um, believed there. Uh, As the book is about people believing, it says that this sign helps his disciples, who were new disciples at this point, to believe and understand that he is the Messiah. It's one uh, step in that belief for them. Uh, Notice the word signs here, by the way, just to point this out, if you read the book of John, he never uses the word miracle in in his gospel. Instead, when he talks about Jesus using power, he uses the word sign because he sees that power as not just a miracle in its in its own, uh, for its own moment, for its own sake, but it is a miracle that that is intended to show something. And in, and in John's understanding, it is intended to show that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is the Son of God, not just a mere human. Um, so what's our takeaway from this story? Looking back at Mary, she gives us a great pattern about how to act in faith. First of all, see the need. And then secondly, bring that need to Jesus and bring it in faith. Thirdly, she looks expectantly for his provision. And then fourth, uh, she acts in faith. When she speaks to the servant and says, do what he says, she acts in faith, believing that he will provide even before she has seen that happen. It's a great story. I hope that that takeaway uh, makes you think uh, about how the Lord will work in your life. See you Have a great day.